So how do you achieve financial freedom, gain wealth, and live life on your terms? That is the question, and here is the answer. I'm A.G. Osborne. Welcome to Cash Flow to Freedom. Welcome, everybody, to Cash Flow to Freedom. And today, we are talking about growth, how to grow, the importance of growing correctly, both investments and growing business. This will structure how you find deals, how you set up when you're looking for ideas, what industries to go through. It's just such an important topic and it's so relevant to right now. And how you grow depends on how you survive. So as always, we're just jumping into this. We got Rock here. Rock, how's it going, man? It's going good. It's going good. We're living through a pandemic and we're we're doing all right. That's right. We're doing all right. <laughs> it's a crazy time. I know we've had a lot of podcasts talking about it, so won't go too much into it. But I, I would just like to say too, though, everybody, you know, for those of you that are healthy, and I and I talked about this on it was one of the things that came out on the Bigger Pockets podcast. If you guys listen to Bigger Pockets podcast, they asked a handful of individuals to come out and talked about right now how to take advantage of opportunity in the market, right? And I think this is really important. The thing people need to understand is right now, there are so many people that are struggling, that need help, um, that we need leaders more than ever. And if you are in a position where you can step up and help, you need to. You shouldn't be hanging off in the background while other people that they should literally be doing nothing. Like high risk people, you need to be at home, locked down, watching Netflix, and just don't move. Gain a lot of weight. Be happy about it. Right? Love Work it. Work out at home, though. Exactly. <laughs> Do push-ups and sit-ups. But they need to stay put. And I'm not saying that those of you that are healthy don't stay put. That's not at all what I'm saying. Let me give you an example, though. There are certain activities that you can do, even calling, checking in, FaceTiming, delivering groceries. Go to the store. Get groceries for people that shouldn't be leaving. Look around, guys. Don't use this time just to sit at home like... Think about how you can help because what I talked about in there is in times like this, we need leaders to step up and the leaders that do, that pays off in the future at oh, huge dividends tons. to you because you become the person people go to. Exactly. People, people remember when you uh, go out of your way in a time like this. And um, I think that a lot of people actually look inward. Well, this is exemplified by like the hoarding and the empty shelves. You first look after your self-interest and protecting yourself, and then you. And I think it takes time and either security and time to realize. Oh wait a second, I should probably look out for everybody around me and the community. And when you start to do that, you start to recover from things like this. You do. It's there's something amazing about not putting yourself first. I'm a huge believer in that. That's what capitalism is. And I'll argue that all day with anybody that wants. I do not think capitalism is a greedy, horrible system. Gra capitalism is about filling demands that other people have, not you, yeah. right? I don't care what product you have, and I don't care how much you love it. Yeah. If other people don't, it doesn't matter. So capitalism is about serving other people and forgetting about yourself. Get good at that. Stop caring about you owning all this amazing stuff, figuring out how to solve other people's problems and help them. And uh, this is... This is the time. time to do it. This is the time when we need leaders. This is the time we need business owners to step up. But that's not what we're talking about today. It's not. <laughs> we need that. We're talking. Right. We're 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 going to be talking about horizontal and vertical growth in a business. And I think we could probably intertwine real estate and any any form of a business because we've been thinking a lot about it because it's it is how you grow. 
but it's also how you mitigate your risk and how you diversify properly to prevent bad things from happening. And it's about building an infrastructure to grow off of as well as the growth itself. And I'm a big fan of this, that if it's not built right, it can't grow right. And if you don't, you know, so people that are trying to build a great company off of a foundation that was patched work together and wasn't based upon good principles, they, it just becomes a very hard thing to do. You, you know, you have to completely go back and restructure it. So knowing how you're supposed to grow helps you set up. And two, it also helps you to know which industries to go into, what not to go into. It's something that, you know, we talk about a lot, that I think about a lot is if what's the end result here? How do we get there? If that's a practical solution, I dislike very much winner take all solutions. That's why I'm generally speaking, not huge into technology. I own a software company, but it's service based for businesses I already own. And uh, technology, generally speaking, is a winner takes all system. Technology is an aggregator, right? That's why most of the world's wealth today is concentrated amongst tech entrepreneurs and understanding that there's a difference between I've got a a winner take all model and straight vertical growth. Um, So I need to get a million people or else I'm done. Um, And saying, no, we can grow systematically by creating a good business that can grow every single year and continue to, that's where I lie towards. I want systematic, continual growth. And, and define vertical uh, growth first. Yeah. So vertical growth is, let's use it simply, let's say you started a company that was a one product store and you needed to sell, you know, you grow by selling more of that product. So I think a vertical growth also as like in real estate, instead of buying the duplex, you go buy a 200 unit apartment building, right? Because that's bigger, you have more units. So it's vertical, right? Um, and I don't mean vertical by <laughs> literally, like, literally. <laughs> I, mean, I just mean vertical as far as the amount. You have more to sell on the, under that one product or under that one asset. Yeah. Um, now, so l- let me use two kind of extreme examples of vertical and horizontal growth. You have people in a vertical growth that will knock it out of the park like Instagram or Facebook, which is just user base, right? I just, I need more users, nothing else. Um, And then you have a vertical or horizontal Horizontal. where you have one asset type. Let's say it is a single family home and and you're just going to get more of them. And pretty soon you own thousands and thousands and thousands of single family homes. I don't, it's not, once again, as we talk about a lot of this stuff, it's not that one way is right and the other way is necessarily wrong. But that is not my mode of operation. I dislike very much both of those modes of growth. I think you need to merge them. It should be horizontal combined with vertical, but those things are happening off the same system. So what I generally mean is let's say, you know, and your company was a perfect example. You started out with one core product. It was a good one. You grew vertically off that product, but you were adding horizontally and that helped your vertical growth. So those products kept selling more people. You would add new products that would sell more people. When we did storage, we started out with a small one. We bought another one and we got bigger and bigger and bigger. So as you're growing horizontally, every single product or asset type is also growing vertically or should be. Yeah, you should try to. I mean, I think like for even with real estate, I bought a duplex and then I bought a duplex and then I bought a triplex and then I bought a house. But, you know, you want to try to, because here's the problem. The how, like, and, and normally I would never buy a house because 
there, there's aspects to the house that I think could allow me to build a bigger unit on there. But the, the, way, the reason you want to scale is because the workload and the time requirement that you need to spend in that activity, right? You only have 24 hours in a day, you spend eight sleep and you got 16 hours. If you're spending 16 hours managing 16 units of single family homes versus 16 apartment complexes that might be 100 each, you can see the scale, the, the difference return, is the margin, the risk, the margin, all of that is different and it's bigger and it's better because like you're saying, you need a system to manage vertical and horizontal growth, but it's still the same it's what would you say this it's it's not it's not complicated it's very simple you just need to build that system and understand that you need to be moving linearly yes you, you know a perfect example of this too and, and i think why a lot of people get caught in the trap of growing horizontally but not vertically is this is what i know and i want to stay with what i know the problem with that is is you swamp down operations your margin gets thinner and two you constant concentrate risk and that's, you know, it's an interesting thing. I had a discussion with a guy that was talking to me about self-storage and he's like, well, I think I really want to stick with a 20,000 square foot facility. And I'm like, well, that's fine everything. But he had the ability to get a 60,000 square foot facility. So I just asked him, I said, what's the difference between the 50 and 60,000 square foot facility 20 and 60. or 20 and 60,000 square foot facility? And he's like, risk. And I'm like, you're right. The 20,000 square foot is way more risky. And he was like, wait, what? And I said, you got to understand that the only difference operationally speaking is number of units, but nothing else. Nothing. Yeah, your expenses are pretty Expenses fixed. are basically the same. Yeah. The workload is still on the manager is the exact same. It's not like there's a huge difference. Everything they're doing is identical. But your margin is so much smaller because those fixed expenses are the same, but the revenue is lower that if something goes wrong, you have less tenants to lose until you're in trouble. But at 60,000, when you're diversified amongst more tenants and you can take on higher vacancies before you get in trouble, um, even though they looked at risk as being size, which, in fact, there's a point where size actually, the bigger you go, the by far less risk you get in because you're taking on risk. The financing you get is another big thing. You can do non-recourse. So there's all sorts of stuff. But size doesn't correlate with risk. And I think that's the first thing that you need to understand for anyone that's scared about going vertically. Um, because it's bigger doesn't mean that it's riskier. Those two things are not correlated. In fact, most of the time they're uncorrelated and the bigger you get, the less risk you take on. Um, that's generally speaking how it goes. So the idea of sticking with what you know and grow horizontally, it's not bad. There's nothing wrong with that. But it just becomes very hard to grow. So I like the combination as we talk about businesses and systems that you can grow horizontally, new units, new product lines, new assets, but also they get bigger, better, bigger downlines, um, and everything that you can drop. Now, this is the same looking at, if you look at finance, uh, personal finance, I view it as kind of the same thing. You have vertical and horizontal finance growth. So view vertical growth as your primary income, W-2, right? You make $50,000 a year in your vertical income. Well, then you want to add on horizontal income. Let's say, once again, you buy the houses, right? The horizontal income, because it's spread across units and growing in size, is not nearly as risky as the vertical income. And that's why vertical income I like to stay away from, because it's a concentration of risk. So 
income, I knew that my vertical income, whatever it was, was extremely risky. Every storage facility that I added on and the bigger that they got, the more income I made, but also the more diversified my income was and the more isolated the risk was to only a certain segment of my income. So it secures me. It creates financial freedom, but it also has growth in between. And I think these two are really important to think about. You don't want to be a lottery winner, right? That should not be the game plan. And if that's the game plan, you're doing something wrong and you need to switch it up. Yeah, you want consistency. And I think the this when you're when you're going into a bad situation, when things aren't when times aren't good, you end up in a situation like this where you might have had a, ver- a high vertical income and that might have been your primary focus, but now it's gone in a heartbeat. And you're actually taking regressive steps to try and stay afloat. Um, and I think that if you're smart about, e- even if you're not even in, into building a business and maybe you don't really want to invest in real estate, there's ways to create horizontal income off of your primary income, whether you're investing in dividend stocks, finding a fund to invest in, stuff that's passive so you don't have to spend your time doing it. Side hustle. Yeah, and, and you can mitigate your time exposure from horizontal income because everyone's like, oh, I don't want to work that much, but you know, they, they'll make these excuses. And, and I get it. Like it, you don't have to spend all this time doing it, but you need to be aware of the risk concentration if you're only going horizontally because that, that sacrifices time or you're only going ver- vertically, which that sacrifices your, your, your risk. It increases yeah. your risk, yeah. 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 So, I mean, there's trade-offs. And I think what you guys did with Bitterroot is super smart because you guys have that component of both horizontal and vertical growth, but it also compounds on itself. And I, I think that's probably, that that is an attribute of doing this. But like AJ was saying, they started with a small facility, you 1031 into a bigger one. Now that facility is thrown off cash flow and you don't give up your vertical income. You go buy another one and then you buy another one. And then those three are going and you, that now your three are buying facilities for themselves and you have a system that manages the operations and the financials and all that because that's how you remove your time and your, your, um, cause there is a, there is a aspect of risk to sacrificing your time in a, in a system. You see these guys who own a storage facility and they're working in it too. And that's exactly what you shouldn't be doing because your time is actually better spent. You're not, you're actually losing money working in that facility, um, thinking about a vertical income. So yeah, I think that there's ways to build systems around horizontal and vertical growth. And that's kind of what I took from you guys uh, when I worked here and I've taken it into e-commerce. I'm like, oh, wait a second. I could do my own version of this with e-commerce based brands and other real estate too. And do, and do something that devoids my time, but increases my income. And, you know, this is really important when you think about, okay, so let's say, first of all, you're trying to create a system that can be repeatable, right? You no, know, cash flow to freedom, we talk about getting a known rate of return and continuing it. So once you have a known rate of return or a process that creates a known rate of return, I don't care if that's a business or an investment. Remember, the process to create a normal rate of return is improved by two things. It's improved by the time frame or the, the amount of return you can get. Now, let me explain this. So if I have a process that can give me a known rate of return at X, and I can do that every single day horizontally, it spreads it out. Then if I can do that every single day horizontally, I can also increase vertically the rate of return that I get. It, you know, it just catapults 
the, how fast you can grow in that compounding effect. And that's what we tried to do. I tried to say, okay, I want to do three deals this year, but three of my deals this year have to be bigger than my last deals. So I'm going to try when I, at first, when we first started, we like maybe do one deal a year. Now it's like, we want to do big verticals and um, much bigger deals, but a lot more of them at the same time. And so your ability to grow, you know, what you could do in five years, you can do in one. And that's why when you look at the lifespan of businesses and you look at the investing, you know, part for most people, it takes that first part is slow because it's trying to build up years. It takes years because you're trying to build up the system that creates the known rate of return. Then after you build the system that creates the known rate of turn, then you're just trying to figure out how to do it more uh, or in a shorter time frame and how to make more from it and explodes. That's when you see rapid, rapid growth. And so, you know, those people that survive and can make it and stick with it for years, the, the return on the last three years are so much more exaggerated than the first three years. They're not even comparable. Um, and that's the goal. That's what you're shooting for. But that's part of that front loading, right, to understand how to create a known rate of return. We say it like it's simple, right? Well, most of the time, if you're buying a known rate of return, it's smaller. So let's talk about buying as opposed to creating a known rate of return. So if I wanted to go out and buy, let's say, BA right now, Boeing, BA will return me a 6% based upon what I'm buying at it today is what the dividend uh, equates to me today. This changes all the time right? I think it was 8% a week and a half ago. And then in a month before that, it was like 2%. So, but let's say that if I could get that at that 6% uh, return, right? And get it every single time. Well, I have to, and let's say you include then also the growth of the stock. So you get 2%, right? I only get that rate of return on the dividend and the growth of stock, nothing else. So all I can do is buy more of it, right? Real estate, or a business, it's opposite. I can manipulate the revenues. I can have the business supply itself without putting any additional into it so it can grow itself, right? I can. There's so much more you can do with it, which allows you to get bigger and bigger returns. The difference between giving an off-the-shelf product at a 6% return and a 20% return in 10 years, those last three years, I mean, if you understand how compounding works, they're not even comparable. Parable. And so what you're trying to do is say, there's two ways of doing this. The hard way of actually going and building a system that will give you or produce uh, income for you, a known, reliable system, and you can keep growing it. And then you work on the speed or size, or you can buy it. I mean, I think you guys, we had our last episode pretty sure it was our last episode with Allie, who does turnkey properties. Turnkey properties is a great way to buy your return and grow horizontally. So she can go out and she can buy a turnkey property in the Midwest. She's from Southern California and she can just go and she just went and bought and bought and bought and bought and bought. The system was provided by other people, which is fine, right? Who cares? The system was provided by other people, which they take their percentage return out of the property. So you have, how it works is you have the realtor or let's say you have the wholesaler, right? You have the guy that buys it from the wholesaler, turns the property around, stabilizes it, fix it up, put a uh, renter, and then you have her come in. Well, most of the return's been taken out by the time she gets in to take that return. But that's fine because that's what she wants. She doesn't have the system 
to go in and find the properties from the wholesaler. She doesn't have the relationship. She doesn't have the systems to to uh, remodel the house, find good renter, stable renters, and put them in. Um, she just buys the end product, right? A lot like kind of buying a stock off the shelf. But it works for her, and she just kept repeating and repeating and repeating it and growing horizontally. Now, of course, like everybody that does that, she's looking at growing bigger. So now she's wanting to do commercial, and, and she wants to start growing vertically. But if you're doing, you can see how people that, instead the difference is if you find the wholesaler, you buy it, refurbish it, do it yourself, and then a year later, you refinance it after you put it, take all your money out, and then you turn around and do it again, what you're doing is you're shrinking the time frame that it takes to get that return, and you're also increasing the amount. So where, you know, where if you're, if you're buying the turnkey, you could probably maybe buy with if you, all things being equal, income, one a year, you know, turning around, you could buy two or three a year. So that's what you're looking for as far as growth and growth models. Now, and, and it's not necessarily, too, that one way is right and one way is wrong. Like, Allie's killing it. Yeah. She's doing amazing. It kind of just depends on what your goals are and then trying to think about what that goal is and putting the horizontal and vertical thinking into it, right? Like, a lot of people might be running or wanting to run an agency, um, like a social media or digital marketing agency. Yes. Um, and like me and my buddy Steve are, are, have going. And we do that, but but we were super clear up front because here's the problem. There's a lot of agencies that will get people on a low retainer and they'll mass produce their services. They're like, I want 300 clients paying me a thousand bucks a month, right? And then, but what happens is you get a level of quality deterioration in service. You get generic work done. And a lot of the times it's hired out. And most of the agencies that I've worked with end up doing that. I mean, Steve were like, well, wait a second. Let's offer something completely different, like a funnel. And let's take, let's focus on 10 clients and let's charge them more, right? The, the quality of service is way better. The results are actually, they actually get results. And the idea is, is that we would get the same amount of income, which is our target goal, off of those clients, right? Let's just take care of 10 people as best as we can and build a system that works for them versus mass producing. And I think that that hits the horizontal. You got 10 clients, right? And, and if you lose one, you might get two more, right? It, it, it doesn't have to stay static, but the vertical comes from I- improving the services and creating agreements. It's like, okay, we might charge five or 10,000 a month, but then we'll, we'll switch over to a revenue share, right? Something like that to where it's performance driven. It works for the company and us. Things where, and this can work with in in anything really. Yeah, um, other that's outside of a exact job. Same thing we do on our sales on the on the brokerage side. So if you took our brokerage, we um, and I, it's not real estate brokerage; it's a uh, health benefits. So we work with companies and designing um, health benefits package to give to their employees. And my brokers, let's say they go out and they focus on a twenty man group, which has twenty employees. Well, the twenty man versus the forty man is the exact same work. But they may not be ready for the 40-man group, so they start the 20-man, and they get as many clients on as that. But then the goal is you should move out of that and move up market. So they should be moving up to the 40, and then as they go, then all of a sudden they only work with people that have three, 400 clients. So it's okay starting out, but you're right. You need to be growing, and you need to get out of that volume. Because volume, you get slammed in times like this. I mean, you can get really, really, really hurt. Um, you're dealing with more vulnerable, lots of times, either in the sales, clients, things like that. And 
it 10% drop. It's significant. It's significant. And it depends on, and if you're in that type of business, you just want to keep your fixed cost low because you can't really control uh, human emotion as as much as you, like you can, but not, not a lot, uh, especially in a time of panic. People are, like I have a buddy who he's a part owner and uh, CMO for a, uh, a SaaS company offering services to franchisees and franchisors. Right. I believe they, they work with like fitness studios. Yeah. So like um, a lot of these fitness franchises are his clients. Yes. And I think they said they had 40 percent of their clients pause their memberships because right now they're, sh- they're shut down. Yeah. Right. And and he was saying like, yeah, they're fine for now. But if they get more, they're going to have to start laying people off and they're going to be kind of caught in a bind. But what saved them is magnitude vertical because they have clients that have 40 clubs or 300 franchisees. Um, so those guys are there. That's magnitude. And then they have horizontal. This is spread across yoga studios, um, fitness franchises, uh, smoothie chains. Like it's, so it's, it's diversified. And, too. and and so what they're able to do is they're still making money. They're still able to survive. It's still going on, but they've diversified the risk in a way to where it's, it's manageable, but obviously to a certain extent, I think. And then I think that goes for everything. Yeah. No, I, you know, and it's interesting when you come back down to this. So a lot of people, you know, I don't even know if I've talked about my stool here on, on this podcast. Maybe I have, but I'm a, a big, strong believer in, um, like you mentioned, as you grow in these multiple sources, um, a way to diversify. So I have our sales company that works with companies. We talk about the brokerage firm. I have my real estate company. Then we have product companies, um, that we are developing. And for me, the revenue source and growing that is really, really different. Um, so I like the diversification amongst the asset classes. So I, 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 don't, I don't believe in or really like diversification as a model of if I own all stocks or all real estate in one certain asset class, because in a stock market correction, those will all get hurt. So I'm looking for diversification. And this is a whole nother next level, right? So my organization is trying to grow and secure beyond um, one asset type. But as we move forward, because of our horizontal growth, so if you're looking at the individual investment strategy, horizontal growth, the great thing about it is it allows you to take on more risk. So whereas you start with, let's say, if you want to start in real estate or anything, right, you have your one product, if you're going to go out and do one big development, that's a vertical line. And if it comes through, that's great. If not, you know, you could be in trouble. But there's a lot of people that want that one hit where I like saying, no, I'm going to build up vertically existing revenue coming in from facilities and then grow vertically through development, things like that. But because of my horizontal growth, I'm protected through income and revenue coming in for that development, for that vertical. I have about a 10% rule, whereas um, no more than 10% of my products can or uh, investments at any time can be um, really speculative by nature, which in development or building, anything like that is speculative by nature because I don't have the revenue coming in yet. I assume they are. Um, so I don't want that to hurt my growth, right? So because of it, I, I keep it at 10%, knowing that if something happened, it would not ever hurt my growth, that my horizontal income up to then could easily take care of it, and I could continue growing. Um, vertical income has that, that risk of shutting down the growth. 
and that makes me nervous. I don't like this. You're just protecting gambling. your downside while yeah. continuing to take risks. Yeah, I want to be able in ten years to still be growing, whether or not one project happens or not. Right. The goal is what I'm trying to get. The individual product is necessarily not. It doesn't really so matter. No, yeah. it doesn't. And see, I think that I do the same thing with products where we will take the existing profits from our current products that are stabilized and reinvest those into new products at a known rate so we can continue to compound our growth. And the speculative products that I think are going to work and, and haven't ju- created those revenues yet, I don't project off of those. I try to, my, my job is to get them selling and stabilized and then I lump them in. And there's certain revenue targets and stuff that I have for each product. And um, that's kind of what saved me through this whole pandemic because everybody kind of got hit in the e-commerce world and some got, some actually boosted, but um, most people got hit. But being diversified across product lines and, and different niches definitely saved us because obviously there's been a good chunk of our portfolio is, is uh, based around um, home fitness equipment, yeah. which has seen a huge spike. And I'm actually driving harder into that niche right now. Um, whereas other stuff that you need to be in a gym for has kind of taken a hit because gyms are shut down. So, but that, that alone, I mean, instead of seeing a full revenue disappearance, we're able to be like readjust course, correct, have reserves in place and, and continue the path, even though there's stuff, these external circumstances are affecting the business by diversifying horizontally. It's allowed us to keep growing the whole brand as a whole vertically. And guys, I'm not going to lie. This is the fun stuff. And let me explain why this is fun and why I, I love this and this idea of growth and how you grow. Because when you get started, let's say you have this big audacious goal. You're like, I want to make a million dollars a year. You start to look at businesses and you go, hold on, a duplex is going to pay me 150 bucks a door. I'm never going to make it, right? Or you start to say, oh, I could have this online business, but it's going to make X. And that can be so discouraging because you're like, I don't equate A to Z. Like, I can't figure it out. But what this shows you is you say, yes, a duplex at first, but then a fourplex, then a 10plex, then a 20plex, then a 40plex. And then, you know, you're doing 300 apartments. All of a sudden, it changes what's needed to be. So, if and you're learning. Of, and you're learning. So if you focus on the horizontal, one at a time growth, just like your products in your company. Yeah. Let's sell this product. Let's get it selling. Let's stabilize it. Then let's add another. You're not betting that that one product is going to be well, the million dollar a year product and it's going to end the game. Exactly. No, you're building a brand. You're building a company, which the company will eventually make you a million dollars a year with all its underlying products, services. And so you don't need to home run. Exactly. And, and at the, on the compound effect note, like it took me, I think, I mean, I launched my first product and it took me like six months to turn my money around enough to drop a second, right? Because literally I started with five grand. So I turned five grand into 10, 10, 20, 20, 40. Okay, I'll take five of that 40. And I'll put, you know, because you have to keep, you don't realize that when you sell a certain amount of product A, you need to order double if it's picking up in sales, right? So, because you can't run out of product A, but you need to save to put into product B. Now, that took, that process to get to like three products took like a year and a half. But then, like in the past, in uh, like this year, my goal is to drop 15 products, like a product a month. And I broke it down to like probably three products a quarter. And it'll, it, it will hit around that. 
but uh, but I'm also restocking a whole catalog of products at the same time. Massive cash flow movements. And that takes a long time to get to. Uh, it took three, four years. But now our, our growth rate is doubling. Well, instead of just adding products too, though, you're adding companies. So yeah, well, that what, too. I'm not so even talking about the companies. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, so, but, but it shows though how at first you're like, you know, when you first got started, it's yeah, like, oh, I'm so going to sell shirts. Yeah. Right? And then it goes from, well, this product may not work, but this product's going to. I can have a margin. I can make it. I can reinvest that margin into this product because shirts don't work. And then I can add on another one, another one, another one. Now it's like, okay, now I'm going to add on this company. Now I'm going to add on this company. Exactly. And I do that with real estate too. Yeah. And like the idea with the real estate is, yeah, I have a couple duplexes and triplexes and stuff. But the idea is, is you need to do that. You need to get in that ground level because it not only teaches you, but if you get the equity appreciation and the cash flow from it, like there's so much equity in some of my properties and I, I expect it to keep going. Um, just especially worth just in the Boise area. You can take that equity and 1031 exchange it. I think some of my properties I could 1031 exchange in, into like a 15, 20% down on a million dollar apartment complex if I found one. And that that's why you need to do the small deal because you can't, like Steve Jobs is like, you can't connect the dots looking back, but... Or, or looking looking forwards, but you can't look back. And if you're able to get in, you can start to figure out your path going forward. Um, so start with one product. Start with your one property. But you need to realize that you get to that high level of doing a uh, 100,000 square foot storage facility by buying the one that's 15,000 square feet or 5,000 square feet or six units, you know, yeah. on the side of a road. Um, you need to You need to do that to learn. It's funny because even when I look back, you know, and, and I, we talk about this a lot. You can't even imagine, though, you, you can't build it out. And I remember sitting back thinking how, you know, oh, I have these big dreams. And I remember sitting at, you know, this Marriott. I, I have this favorite Marriott. It's the JW down in Orlando. I, I just I love that Marriott. And I remember sitting back there and thinking, you know, how do you ever get to owning something like this? Like, I want to own, like, I, this would just be amazing, but not fathoming how you would ever get to that point. Don't want right? to own one now. Huh? You don't want to own one now. Yeah, don't want to own one now. Or <laughs> now I want to buy one. I didn't yeah. want to own one. Right. <laughs> now, but now we're looking at getting into the hotel business and finding partners and people that can help us do those kind of things. Where, as before, I was just selling insurance to small companies, right? Door to door, literally calling up, hey, will you take a meeting with me? Let me see if I can save you money. Right. And then going into these little teeny cities and finding these storage facilities that me and my dad liked that could offset our income, commissions income from our sales that we could put into small storage facilities and to then buying bankrupt super Kmart's to doing big downtown developments. Those those things never equated when I started. But I understood, hey, if I sold a client if I got a new asset, if I got a new product, and it's that momentum of growth that gets you to the next horizontal one. And then for us, when we stumbled into storage facility, we figured out, hey, this is a horizontal growth that I can do that separates my time. Because my problem with sales was I was growing horizontally as I was putting a new client on every time, right? And I would try to get bigger clients. 
and that worked. And there was this growth projection where I could get a client that would pay me $10,000 a year. But then as time went on and a few years later, I could get a client that would pay me $100,000 a year, right? And then I was like, oh, this is great. But it's still capped out. Why? Because my time was attached to every single horizontal client that I had. Whereas your system, as you're growing horizontally and vertically, you should be growing and putting them on in the background, but you have systems set up in place to manage and run those, and that allows you to keep growing. And that's what I stumbled on, and I found when in storage, in storage facilities, we said, hey, we like this because we don't have to keep working on the one before, and that created the compounding growth. So a lot of times you don't, you can't see that end. And you don't, you, you can see it in your mind, but you just have no idea how you're going to get there. But the process of going and moving forward and growing and figuring out some of these key principles leads you into the correct wealth vehicle that they can get you there, which you'll never see. Yeah, you can't, you can't. Well, I remember sitting with AJ the first time, like one of the first times we were hanging out and I told you I wanted to make, uh, I wanted to be worth, uh, worth 10 million or make 10 million. And I think I said, like, I wanted to do it through, like, I was going to say duplexes. Yeah. And you're like, okay, how many duplexes do you need? And I think it was like 120 yeah. or something. And, oh, and my time frame, too. So I, you need to have a time frame to your goal. Yes. And he's like, okay, you need to get a duplex every, or you need to get two duplexes a month or something, which is just not reasonable. Yeah. And um, I was like, oh, because I never put math to my goal. Yeah. And I didn't, it's also, I didn't have the understanding of how the reality of it worked. And you don't learn that unless, obviously, you're near somebody who's done it or you're going through it. And so that's why it's so important to just um, start and learn from people because you can compound your knowledge vertically and horizontally. Like, it, this, it kind of goes through everything. So, yeah. Well, it's yeah. one of the things where, like, I was always a little frustrated with Rich Dad, Poor Dad because I – and, you know, his stuff is amazing. Everybody starting out needs to read it. But I would read it. And I would read it. I'd consume all the books. Doesn't get you like, anything. I get it. Yeah. I need to buy an asset. But How? I'm looking at this, <laughs> and I'm like, this duplex isn't going to make me wealthy. Yeah. So I, I, I don't understand the correlation. And finding out that process and going through it helps open doors that you just can't learn about a lot of times. And that, that's why I love podcasting. Because we can see people on the road that they're going on and they can explain it to you and it enlightens you and allows you to see open doors. A lot of people, they don't have the benefit of having mentors yet. They should be. If you don't, you need to be going out and getting them because people on this growth pattern where you're trying to grow horizontally and vertically, you need to have the, the bigger, the more horizontal lines of revenue you get and the bigger they get, the bigger your team needs to be to support it. This is absolutely cannot be underestimated. And as you go and as you're growing, these people should be helping you find solutions, identifying results, and figuring out paths that you didn't see before. That's why I'm so big on mentors. I'm so big on I don't care what you need and a coach, anything else like that. You don't know what you don't know. Poverty cycles are real. Right. And understanding this gap between buying a home and getting income to being a massive developer in Southern California, most people can't correlate those two things. And it's important that you understand and see that growth, understand how you're going to get it and surround yourself with people that can, that can get you there. And yeah, once again, it's just why I love podcasts and things because I listen to them and 
you know, your guys' feedback too has just been awesome on the podcast. I was talking to a gentleman who, who emailed us in and, and said, hey, can we have a conversation with you? And it was the same kind of conversation. I know what I'm trying to get, but I've been, I have, they had a, it was a plumbing, a side plumbing company, and then they had a few um, rental properties that they wanted. And they focused on, it was a plumbing company that focused on something interior and commercial. It was a nice little company. It made some money. I think he made six figures, right? And then he was trying to put it, but he still felt stuck. And it was like, I understand how to repeat this one process, right? Like a solo entrepreneur. I repeat this process and I get paid, but I don't know how to break out from it. And I'm like, well, have you met with other people that are in your space that are bigger than you and said, Hey, show me, you know, how to get it. And no, I haven't done that. You know, go to other people that have been on your path and have them help you paint that picture. It'll just open up doors and open up to things that you couldn't imagine before. You can really see that growth. And then once you get that growth, then it's like off to the races. Once you see it and once you understand how it comes, everything becomes possible, right? All of a sudden, it's just so exciting because it's like, yeah, I can do it. Now, do I want to allocate the resources in this way to get it? That's, then that becomes the question. But then when you identify, you can see opportunities that other people can't see, right? We have that with this company that we're working on right now. You never fully know, but the opportunities, because of how it can grow that you can see before you, you're going, this is just, there's so much potential that if that, if that would have came across my desk, you know, 10 years ago, I would have probably never been able to see the potential in it, or I would have either been too afraid or whatever it is. But so this, this art of practicing creates more. So it's compounding your knowledge and experience as well as your money, which is really important. So I think we beat that to, to, to got it. We got it. We like doing that here. Yeah. (laughs) We like doing that. Beat these concepts down. Um, Hey everybody. Give us, uh, reach out to us, five-star rating. Give us a good review. It means everything to us. Um, we are very selective on the content that we bring into this podcast. Um, we bring in people that um, 90% of everyone that asks to come on the podcast, we actually say no to. I would much rather get on here and talk about different business principles instead of having people, individuals come on and either try to sell products or we're just not into that. So we really try hard to make sure the quali- quality here is authentic and it's thick. We, we try to give you guys a lot of information that is applicable. If you guys like that, if it's doing good for you, give us a good review, five-star rating. Reach out to us. I love to talk to everybody and read your emails. Um, so we appreciate it, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, everyone, for listening to this episode of Cashflow to Freedom. Be sure to subscribe to us for more, and feel free to check us out at cashflow with the number two freedom.com or find us on Instagram and Facebook. And also, if you could leave us a good review, that would really help us continue to build out our content and our community. Thank you so much.